Welcome to Faithful Echoes, the sermon podcast from St. Luke's Episcopal Church in Cleveland, Tennessee. New episodes are available every Monday featuring the Collect of the Day, Scripture readings, and Father Joel Huffstetler's insightful sermon from the previous Sunday. Perfect for catching up on missed sermons or revisiting favorites, find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and our website at www.stlukescleveland.org backslash podcast. Subscribe now for spiritual reflections that fit seamlessly into your week. The Lord be with you. And also with you. Let us pray. Almighty God, give us grace to cast away the works of darkness and put on the armor of light, now in the time of this mortal life in which your Son, Jesus Christ, came to visit us in great humility, that in the last day when he shall come again in his glorious majesty to judge both the living and the dead, may rise to the life immortal, through him who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. A reading from the book of Isaiah. Oh, that you would tear open the heavens and come down, so that the mountains would quake at your presence, as when fire kindles brushwood and the brushwood causes the water to boil, to make your name known to your adversaries, so that the nations might tremble at your presence. When you did awesome deeds that we did not expect, you came down, the mountains quaked at your presence. From ages past, no one has heard, no ear has perceived, no eye has seen any God besides you, who works for those who wait for him. You meet those who gladly do right, you remember, who remember you in your ways, but you were angry and we sinned. Because you hid yourself, we transgressed. We have all become like one who is unclean, and all our righteous deeds are like a filthy cloth. We all fade like a leaf, and our iniquities, like the wind, take us away. There is no one who calls on your name or attempts to take hold of you, for you have hidden your face from us and have delivered us into the hand of our iniquity. Yet, O Lord, you are our Father. We are the clay, and you are our potter. We are all the work of your hand. Do not be exceedingly angry, O Lord, and do not remember iniquity forever. Now consider, we are all your people. The word of the Lord. The psalm appointed for today is Psalm 80, verse 1 1 through 7 and 16 through 18, found on page 702 of the Book of Common Prayer. We will read responsibly by half verse. Hear, O shepherd of Israel, leading Joseph like a flock. Throned upon the cherubim. In the presence of Ephraim, Benjamin, and Manasseh. Stir up your strength and come to help us. Restore us, O God of hosts. Show the light of your countenance and we shall be saved. 
O Lord, God of hosts, how long will you be angered despite the prayers of your people? You have fed them with the bread of tears. You have given them bowls of tears to drink. You have made us the derision of our neighbors. And our enemies laugh us to scorn. Restore us, O God of hosts. Show the light of your countenance, and we shall be saved. Let your hand be upon the man of your right hand. The Son of Man you have made so strong for yourself. And so we will never turn away from you. Give us life that we may call upon your name. Restore us, O Lord, God of hosts. Show the light of your countenance, and we shall be saved. A reading from the first letter of Paul to the Corinthians. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I give thanks to my God always for you because of the grace of God that has been given you in Christ Jesus. For in every way you have been enriched in him, in speech and knowledge of every kind, just as the testimony of Christ has been strengthened among you, so that you are not lacking in any spiritual gift as you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ. He will also strengthen you to the end, so that you may be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful. By him you were called, to the, called into fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. The word of the Lord. Be to God. Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to St. Mark. Jesus said, in those days after that suffering, the sun will be darkened, and the moon will not give its light, and the stars will be falling from heaven, and the powers in the heavens will be shaken. Then they will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory. Then he will send out the angels and gather his elect from the four winds from the ends of the earth to the ends of heaven. From the fig tree, learn its lesson. As soon as its branch becomes tender and puts forth its leaves, you know that summer is near. So also, when you see these things taking place, you know that he is near, at the very gates. Truly I tell you, this generation will not pass away until all these things have taken place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. But about that day or hour, no one knows, neither the angels in heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. Beware, keep alert, for you do not know when the time will come. It is like a man going on a journey. When he leaves home, and puts his slaves in charge, each with his work, and commands the doorkeeper to be on the watch. Therefore, keep awake, for you do not know when the master of the house will come, in the evening, or at midnight, or at cockcrow, or at dawn, or else he may find you asleep when he comes suddenly. And what I say to you, I say to all, keep awake. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. From the beginning, 
we have fretted over the end. This morning in St. Mark's Gospel, we have a reflection from Jesus about the end. And his words might cause us to fret. For some of us, the end should always be written out in bold and big letters. The end. But whenever I consider the second coming of Jesus along with the first, I think it's wiser to write out the words with fragile and small letters, most appropriately to be whispered when spoken. The end. Remember, Jesus tells us to stay awake in anticipation of his return. Now, why would we be implored to stay awake if the end is sure to come with bold and big letters? If the end is going to be an over-the-top production, then being awake will be a given. No one will sleep if we consider the end to be a noisy and raucous encounter. The season of Advent, however, gives us a clue in interpreting Jesus' words from St. Mark's account. In Advent, we remember that we are waiting with anticipation for the coming of the Christ child. Not only do we remember the first coming, but we enter into it. Somehow the only Mary known to us now is great with child. Everything about that first night, that first waiting, was surprising and remarkably quiet for a history-changing affair. The child came into the world by way of an off-the-beaten path. Every Christmas pageant you have ever witnessed, no matter how simple, probably has a larger budget than an initial night in Bethlehem. And unlike other gospel stories where the writer goes to great lengths to let us know that women and children were not counted, in Advent, it's the woman and the child who count. It's the woman named Mary and the child she bore that number us now amongst the counted. But that's not all that we wait for during Advent. The church, in its wisdom, asks us to wait again in remembrance for the first coming of Jesus and also to wait for Christ's return the end. The end where the practice of staying awake is in order. If the church from at least the 6th century has asked us to observe both advents of Jesus at once, then maybe it's important to let the first coming inform how it is we wait for the second. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. For much of my life, such words about the end have placed fear into my heart and my soul and my body. As a child, I was sure Jesus was coming back soon to earth with one thing on his mind, to clobber me. So any ideas about the end always involved fear and pain and great disappointment expressed to me from the Almighty himself. Jesus was coming soon, and it was going to hurt. Somewhere along the way, we have perverted and twisted the words of Jesus and the whole body of apocalyptic writings. Somewhere, when we divorce the first coming of Jesus from the second, we turn talk of the end into some sort of religious horror show with Jesus as the number one boogeyman. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. Friends, those words are intended to bring comfort, not to frighten you. They are words of instruction to teach us what it is that will endure and what will fade. Several summers, summers ago, I returned home to my hometown in southeast Missouri to visit my mother because she was recovering from a really bad fall. 
I went with the intention of staying for several days to be the dutiful son and to sit with her while she mended and got better. But like any trip that you plan too well, the plan changed at some point. I had this vision of sitting at her bedside from early in the morning to late at night, but that quickly faded when I discovered just how much she enjoyed the bingo games at the care facility. <laughs> and she went to sleep much earlier than I had remembered. So I had plenty of time to fill while I was back home. So I took a drive around my small town to check out all the iconic sites of boyhood. I can report to you that the town square businesses continue to diminish. Cotton gin out by the highway is now shuttered and falling apart. And the summer heat back there was worse than I could remember. In the early evening, I drove across the railroad tracks with the purpose of visiting Haytai Junior High School. I turned right at the old store, which was gone, and I turned right, and there it was. Or rather, there it was not. My junior high school, all the buildings, and even the large fence that surrounded all the buildings, well, they were gone. It was as if it had catapulted into the sky. All that was left was the white stone slabs that left an impression of where the buildings had been. My junior high, heaven and earth had passed away. Glory, hallelujah, I was free, right? <laughs> Can you imagine? Imagine the most awkward place you've ever been in your entire life. <laughs> Be in that space. And now imagine that it's gone. When you were most ill at ease, when you were most awkward, it's all gone. The buildings are gone, but you get to stay. Remember the seventh grade? Remember that locker? The one that you wanted to crawl into all the time? That locker is gone. Remember the basketball gym? Do we remember the basketball gym? Where I proved on a daily basis that free throws are not actually free? <laughs> Layups can be missed. Well, that gym lies in rubble somewhere else. No physical evidence of my junior high tragedy. And most importantly, the God who was out to clobber me was no longer there either. Such a God does not endure and is not eternal, let alone holy. Jesus commands us in every age to pay attention, to stay awake, to discern what it is that will last and what will fade. And when we gather around those about to be baptized, we remind each other that baptisms will endure. Buildings, even big brick buildings intended to educate junior high kids, well, they can pass away. The monk Thomas Merton was once asked by a drugstore clerk about his preference for toothpaste. I don't care, Merton said. Merton added, the drugstore clerk almost dropped dead. He wanted me to have a strong preference for either Colgate or Pepsodent or Crest. 
and he wanted me to know they all had a secret ingredient. The worst thing you can do now, he said, is not care about these things. That is the key for entering into the season of Advent. Jesus wants us to pay attention, to stay awake, to learn about what the things are that we're called to care about and what are those test-marketed temptations placed in our way that are only there to distract us in this and every season. Jesus asks us to care about his words, his loving and lasting words. And he asks us to care about his people, care about his people. And he asks us to care about the circles of prayer and service that we create as the people of God. So you don't have to care about the toothpaste. And the return of the Christ is not a moment out there with fear and a sacred clobbering awaiting us all. I mentioned I grew up in the Southern Baptist Church and on Sunday nights about three times a year, the pastor would pull out the movie a Thief in the Night, and we would watch that, and I would get terrorized all over again, right? They'd been taken, and I was left behind. In the seventh grade, I would come home, and I couldn't find Mom, I couldn't find Dad. I thought, oh my gosh, the rapture has come. <laughs> Jesus found out about all my shortcomings at the junior high. God never, ever, ever gives up on humanity. If you go home today and your family is gone and you think you've been left behind, guess what? God will be here. God never gives up on humanity. And God does not abandon us. He does not leave us behind. The incarnation, the whole point of the incarnation is to let us know how seriously God is planning to dwell with us, to get involved with us, to be with us in the mess of our lives as it was in Bethlehem, so it will be now and forever. And here's what's truly odd. The Christ has already returned. His spirit has endured when we gather today around this altar with bread and wine, we are being reminded that the Christ still feeds and still calls and still gathers us. For we have all experienced those apocalyptic moments when heaven and earth passed away, but the Christ remained and entered the places that were left empty. Such returns of Jesus give us a foretaste of the end. Those moments remind us that all our ends, all our last moments are held always in the bosom of our Savior. And this is the last point. And this is really important. Because from here, you all, all look great, okay? You all look great today. And this church is filled. It's an exciting day. But in the Episcopal Church, a survey was taken several years ago, and I've seen different data but basically, the average Episcopalian invites someone to church every 12 years, okay? Every 12 years. I invite three people to Trader Joe's every month, right? <laughs> so it's not enough today to be in this church shoulder to shoulder. 
knowing that we worship a God that does not clobber us. It's not enough. Because there are people out there who are afraid. Who are afraid of their own shadow. And they're also afraid of a shadow of a God that they think is about to clobber them. So they need to know there's another way. They need to know about the way of Jesus who has come to be with us, to offer words of comfort, not words of fear. So instead of inviting someone to church every 12 years, how about inviting someone to church every month? Right? And bring them with you. Invite them into this community. Now, if that seems intimidating, as Episcopalians, we give you all kinds of ways to do on-ramps or off-ramps. Tonight, lessons and carols. Invite them to lessons and carols. Invite them to a midweek service. Invite them just to be a part of this church in some way. Because they need to know God is not out to clobber them. God has come to be with them now and always. The Christ who came into the world has come into the world to reconcile all of us to God. And that Christ is coming again in this new season of Advent to tell us again the reconciling story of the Christ and all that God has done to draw us near. Amen. Amen.